Well, hey, Church of the City, Pastor Matt here. You're about to hear a conversation that I reached out, initiated to a couple of pastor friends of mine about racism, justice, and the gospel. Now, as we finish this conversation, we realized that we probably needed to have a part two. And so I invite you, as you listen to this, to also be conscious that there will be a part two to this conversation in which we get into a little bit more of the details of how the foundation and the framework that we lay out here plays itself out in the life of followers of Jesus. You are loved. So we are having a conversation today about racism, justice, and the gospel. Um, I am Matt Naismith. I'm the pastor for teaching and vision of Church of the City in Guelph, Ontario. I am white. I was raised in a small uh, farming community of about 14,000 people where it was very predominantly white. So that, that's my participation in this conversation. But I would also love to hear uh, from the other three uh, individuals that we have on this group. So Raj, why don't you start introducing yourself? Hi, my name is Raj Stone. I'm the lead pastor of Uptown Community Church. I was born in India. I immigrated with my family to Canada in the 70s. Uh, so I, my primary ethnic uh, um, uh, affinity is, is Indian. And, uh, and so it's always been uh, a great deal of, of joy to be a part of Canada and the multiculturalism that Canada offered. Again, even the vision of it in the, in the early 70s. Grew up in Waterloo and uh, it's where my family landed and have uh, been living in Waterloo for uh, a number of years now. Mm. Albert, why don't you go in next? Yeah, hi. Uh, my name is Albert Chung. Thanks for having me, Matt. And um, great to be with you, Raja and Michael. Um, I was born in Montreal, Canada. Uh, my parents uh, immigrated from, actually, they have quite a multicultural experience. They were born and raised in South Korea. They met in West Germany mm -hmm. uh, and um, then moved to Montreal uh, in the early 70s. And I was born there. Um, and then we moved to Toronto. Uh, when I was uh, around four. Um, so growing up Korean Canadian, uh, pastor Trinity Grace Church, which is a multicultural church in Midtown Toronto. Um, yeah, that's me. Thank you. And uh, Michael. What's up, everyone? It's, um, my, my, my name is Michael Harris, pastoring of uh, pastor at Kingdom Life Fellowship here in Guelph. Uh, grateful uh, to have Jamaican parents and um, grew up in Guelph. Um, and I'm Black, African Canadian um, with uh, West Indian heritage, and uh, grateful to be uh, part of the, part of the forum today. Hmm. Well, one thing I thought we could do here now is uh, just spend some word in prayer and spend some time in prayer. Uh, love each of you guys as brothers and grateful for your opportunity to have a conversation today that I hope will bless. And I know it will bless each of us, but also bless those that are going to listen or watch this later on. So why don't we just uh, spend a couple minutes in prayer and then we'll, we'll jump into the conversation that I know we're all looking forward to today. So Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to talk about life on this earth. God, we thank you for the journeys, the stories, the heritage, the culture, Lord, that each of us uh, come from. God, I pray that you would open our eyes today to um, even some of the ways that we ourselves have misunderstood, stereotyped others. 
God, would you lead us in your truth by your spirit? And we just, again, thank you that you are a God who loves all the nations. And would we be a people, the church, who also love all people, all people groups, all nations. God, we look forward to the day when we're all around your throne, worshiping you. When there is no more sin, death, or racism. We love you, Jesus. In your son's name, we pray. Amen. Well, a way for us to begin our conversation today, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about racism. We're going to be talking a little bit about history, how the church has handled this in the past. We're also going to be talking about the the Bible's perspective of justice and what is an adequate approach to justice versus what we might see as inadequate approaches in our culture and society, particularly in the West. Uh, To get us started, though, uh, we want to start with what is a maybe a healthy understanding of racism in a very broad way. And then some of the ways that racism has played itself out. Uh, racism, according to the Oxford Dictionary, is the belief that all members of each race possess attributes or abilities specific to that race, especially so as to distinguish it as inferior or superior to other races. So we're talking about inferior versus superiority of other races and, a, and an attitude towards that and at times actions. And this plays itself out in interpersonal racism, which can be prejudice on a personal level, it can be discrimination, it can be antagonism. There's a societal racism, and that's been a big topic that's happened uh, amongst our, our culture and in society around this is there can be social and political structures in society that serve to primarily benefit those who hold power or who are the majority race. And then there's internalized racism, which is worth considering for each of us personally, which is the psychological effect when we live with a subconscious, though sometimes conscious acceptance of the lie that race determines value in the social hierarchy, uh, namely in, in which whiteness as an ideology is superior to blackness. And the consequences of that are traumatic, but that's simply one example uh, based upon the majority race. So if, if the four of us can kind of begin with that, what do you think then the, the root is of racism? And so I'll just put that, put that out there. Um, I'll jump in. Uh, I love a quote by uh, the mighty John Stott. So John Stott says that all the brokenness, and I'm paraphrasing, of the world comes down to sin. Right, that every injustice, violence, power inadequacies, all these things we talk about, it, it comes down to sin. And really, I think that racism is, is rooted in sin. And again, sin can play out as ignorance. It can it can it can play out as in power and power structures. It, it's all that. But really, for us as Christ followers, the framework that we need to really understand within this idea of racism is the sinfulness of each human being on the planet. Uh, and that's where I think that uh, the church and those of us who would call ourselves disciples of Jesus, inhabitants of the kingdom of heaven, I think that would be the most, uh, that would be the starting point because it, it, it comes down to a heart issue. It becomes an internalized issue. It becomes to a part of a filter by how we interact and navigate through the world. So for me, I think racism is, is, is primarily uh, a sin issue, which again, I think 
the church's uh, the church's voice in regards to how we deal with that and and how we uh, work through that is is unique and I think uh, in my perspective much needed as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael or Albert, can you guys speak to that at all? Yeah, no. I, I what I heard loudest from what Raja just shared is that it's a heart issue. Uh, what Raja means by it being a sin issue means it's an issue of the heart internal. Um, and uh, for me, increasingly as I uh, follow Christ and, and try to get a handle on understanding uh, the Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, um, what what makes uh, a lot of sense of life for me is to go back to how God meant it in the beginning. Uh, and we do see, I know I'm going to throw out a big uh, sort of theological academic word here, but just we see God's original arrangement with Adam and Eve being a covenant of works um, to translate that to everyday language uh, performance. Everything would have gone well with Adam and Eve uh, if they just obeyed uh, the few commands that God had given them, but that system broke. But what I'm realizing more and more, and it just makes sense when I observe life and, and myself and people around me, uh, we're so naturally driven by uh, trying to find worth in our performance. Uh, and when you look at it that way, uh, racism, uh, just objectively speaking, it makes sense because there's another way we can feel superior, another way we can mm-hmm. feel like we're climbing up and trying to uh, create some paradise for ourselves, some some life that we can call good. Um, and so I completely agree with, with Raja that the real true antidote to that sinful heart uh, is what um, Jesus uh, declares and, and, and the New Testament declares as grace. Uh, we, we can't be good enough on our own anymore. And the more we try to find that uh, worth from superiority, be it racism, be it our salary, be it social status, whatever, um, it's only going to lead to more chaos, uh, more people being uh, hurt along the way. Um, And it's only until we're able to deal with our sinful hearts uh, God's way uh, through Christ by grace that we begin to really find a a long-term effective solution. Mm -hmm. Michael, maybe you could jump off there from what Albert has said and and get into how the gospel deals with racism at its root. If, if, if racism is in fact a sin, a sin reality uh, in, in each of our hearts. And I think that's a key thing, right? Because yeah. some might say that the, the, the racist is over there failing to recognize that we're all sinners. So the capacity for prejudices, for prejudice, for, for racism, for, um, looking down upon others is, is part of, is part of the, it's part of the human condition. Yeah. So how does the gospel deal with racism at its root? Uh, the gospel gives us the good news of Jesus. And so from the beginning, as, as Albert was um, saying in terms of, you know, the garden in the garden, things broke. There was a broken connection between us and God and our relationship. Then there's a broken connection uh, relationally, um, horizontally uh, between one another um, and we see that played out in Cain and Abel then it's just gone out throughout the ages but the promise that was given in the garden was that there was a redeemer coming and so I think I believe that Jesus uh, gives us the blueprint of uh, what it is when we see his ministry his life his love uh, we see the blueprint for what it is to kind of reverse the curse 
uh, that started in the garden uh, relationally, relationally. Mm-hmm. And um, as we see his interactions with so many, uh, so many uh, people inside his culture, whether it be women or people outside, of, outside his culture, Samaritans, we see this reversing of the curse, the stain of, uh, of, of sin and, and dealing with racism. And um, yeah, it's, it's Jesus. Now I'm I'm just thinking of this question just came to me. So we we've said racism is the primarily it's it's a sin issue. We've then says the gospel uh, deals with sin at at the heart at the root issue. Why have followers of Jesus, uh, many people would say, uh, white followers of Jesus, have uh, done terrible things, terrible racist things historically. What is going on there? Uh, how could I ask the question as a, as a white pastor, as a white person, how do I think about my own history, about my own heritage, my, my ethnicity as it relates to, to racism in the church. Uh, let me, let me jump in on that. And I, I'm going to take a just step backwards first. So I think it's good to define sin and um, you know, just off the top of my head um, sort of a best definition I can give right now is when we very simply um, rebel against God's ways. Um, and uh Racism is a fruit of the root of sin in our hearts because um, you go back to the garden, um, Adam and Eve collectively together, they uh, chose to begin to want to become like God, uh, to, to be able to find their own worth in and of themselves, um, their own wisdom, maybe in, in the beauty of material things that said the fruit was looking really uh, beautiful to them. Um, and yeah, and so sin is turning away from rebelling against God's ways, his definition of, of life and who we are. Uh, and and basically now sin has all of us naturally on this track of wanting to create our own worth, um, our own life, um, apart from God. Uh, and, and so therefore, um, it makes sense that, uh, you know, our, our skin color, our cultural heritage, th- those are some of the most um, intimate parts of who we are, our identity. And, and so if we can find superiority um, based on those things, um, it, it's, it's very tempting to go down that path. Um, now, to answer your question, Matt, um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm Korean, Canadian, Asian, and certainly I've experienced my, I've been on the brunt end of, of uh, experiencing racism, being um, on the victim end of that. Um, but nevertheless, and my heart for sure was broken, and I understand uh, the, the anger of my uh, eight fellow Asian brothers and sisters at the, you know, somewhat recent headlines uh, down in Atlanta. I get all that. Um, but nevertheless, just maybe it's my temperament. I'm just trying to think of it more objectively as well. But 
I, I think if, if, you, if you look at history and just sort of broad strokes of how Christianity spread, um, you know, started in Israel with the, the disciples, the apostles, and the church went out to uh, Mediterranean uh, Gentiles and, and then Rome. And then from there, eventually, just again, broad stroke, uh, Europe, uh, it spread to Europe. Um, and, and so saying, you know, speaking of yourself as a white Christ follower, it's partly not your fault in the sense that that's how the gospel moved. And then from there, there were uh, really wonderful uh, missionary movements to the rest of the world. Uh, but let's say the gospel had moved to first to Asia, right? And, and then in history, China was the launch pad for uh, the gospel going out into all the world. Um, then maybe we might be talking about, you know, Asian uh, Christ followers being the ones that have uh, made mistakes in the past and so forth, right? So what I'm trying to get at is um, it, it, it's, it's very tempting for different races and ethnicities to start just uh, pinning it on certain races. Um, and, and then, at least in the secular world, there, there is this whole real narrative now that white people have to repent. White people have to say sorry for sins of, uh, you know, past generations and so forth. And, um, but it, again, it's coming back to the issue. It could have been a different race that was superior. Um, and depending on just how sort of the, the flow of Christianity went uh, through history, which really brings it back to the point it's really about our hearts. Um, so your question about, you know, yeah, how do I as a white, uh, you know, Christ follower, um, yeah, what's my voice and all this? How do I respond to all this? Um, I think, I think, again, the best thing that we can do, it's the harder work. It, it takes more time, but it's to help people really understand um, that it comes from the heart. And I think even this conversation, as we see different ethnicities represented, different um, spiritual leaders with from different ethnicities, uh, we need more examples like this to show that, no, we're willing to say as different races, the, the problem, real problem is everyone's heart. So let's start there and, and begin to you know, work from there. Yeah, Michael or Raja, do you want to add anything to, to what Albert has said? Or, um, yeah, feel free to jump in here. Um, how ought we now? Because uh, I, I, just, I just hear someone, you know, sitting, listening to us and saying, okay, sin, the gospel, but Christians have been uh, so unjust historically. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I, I'd love to jump in there. And Albert, I... I can listen to you for hours, buddy. Like I, I love, I, I love hearing your how, how you bring things through. One of the things that I think we need to always understand is, is one of the inadequacies of the cultural conversation with racism is very binary, and that's where I think it, it, it loses its cohesion. Right, so it, it's either white or black. Mm-hmm. Right. And so a white pastor or a white Christian is then told because of the ethnicity of themselves that they have to then own up. And again. It's not that we, we, we look at history and say, oh, no, this didn't happen or that didn't happen. We absolutely own it. But yeah. there can't be this absolute uh, um, 
quantitative way of saying now you have to, you know, uh, uh, repent and, and, and say sorry for this because, you know, you or your ancestors had, had nothing to do with it. Right. So with races, we have to always realize that like and it's funny because even before the conversation started, before we started recording, you know, uh, Albert brought up a great point as well, too, that within ethnicities, there's racism as well, too. So, you know, whether it's age, like different, uh, you know, different types of Asians or, or within, um, again, I'm being Indian, different types of Indian people and, and different, even different types of, uh, geographically some, uh, African people as well, too. There can be racism there. So when we say racism is a hard issue, it's not a white heart issue, right? Mm-hmm. There's only one race in God's eyes. That's the human race, mm-hmm. right? And so when the Bible deals with the human race, it deals with the racist tendencies, the power and stru- uh, the injustices, but that, that, that lives in all of us. And when mm-hmm. we only attribute it to one race, what we're really doing is we're saying, well, we, we are basically uh, um, alleviating the guilt of other races from having to deal with it, right? Because we look mm-hmm. historically, there has been genocide perpetrated by different races upon different races that white people weren't even involved with. Yeah. And so do we say to those people that, hey, like, like right now in China, right? Like with the Uyghur, uh, with the Uyghurs right there, like we see, we see, um, a, a type of 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 of, of political structure uh, attacking a religious structure, and it doesn't matter if it's Christian or not, and certainly not white people. Do we say, well, because it's not white people perpetrating this, then it's okay to happen? Well, as Christ followers, we get to say absolutely not. We stand up for all people, whether they are you know Christians or not, because God loves the human race. And just one of the things I, I also want to kind of backtrack when we go back to the garden, right? So I. So I've been thinking about the garden a lot. So for Easter, for our church, we went back to the garden and I, I absolutely agree with Albert, right? The garden was God's archetypal understanding of what it was meant to be, right? And so one of the things I, I love about the garden understanding is that rabbinic writers had this way of talking about it, which is very different than Western theologians. So when rabbinic writers talk about the garden, they talk about the three harmonies, right? So there was a harmony between God and humanity. There was, there was, there was, there was harmony between uh, humanity, humanity, so Adam and Eve, but there was also harmony between humanity and creation, right? So the environment. But what mm-hmm. happens is when sin enters the world, there becomes the harmonies become discords. So humanity has discord with God. Humanity has discord with one another, and then humanity also has discord with the environment. And it's out of the garden that we take this discord with us. But what I love about the Old Testament is a lot of the passages that people kind of cling to in, in regards to justice. Well, they're from the prophets, right? I was actually reading through my Bible yesterday, just in preparation for this. And if you go through the book of Leviticus, what's so fascinating to me is God commands the Israelites to treat the stranger or foreigner equally to themselves, mm-hmm. to not to abuse them, not to not to withhold grace to them, not to take their, their like, like that was, again, in the Middle Eastern ancient context, that was absolutely profoundly different than the other, like the Assyrians, the Hittites, the, the Babylonians, the Egyptians. They were all ethnically uh, based. But God says to the Israelites, no, 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 no. All of humanity is mine. Yeah, yeah. And this Messiah that's going to come is for all of humanity. Right? Yeah. Even when we see the Messianic passage in the book of Isaiah, it's for all people of all races, of, of, of all kinds. Right. And again, we see that. And again, in the Old Testament, God is laying down a foundation for Israel to say, listen, you are my chosen. But you don't realize that 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 all races will be engrafted. And I love the fact that even even in Jesus genealogy is Rahab. Mm-hmm. Right. She's not Jewish. Right. Yeah. But 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 she's part of the messianic lineage. Right. So even in the Old Testament, we realize that God is looking at the 
human race. And he's calling out sin in the human race. And I think one of the things that the church has to really offer this world is to kind of come back to that really basic understanding of love for, and again, the other, right? And whatever the other can be. And the other can be within races. The other can be socioeconomic, right? We see this real disparity of riches as well, too. We see this, you know, playing out in a whole variety of ways, right? The other can be within, within you know, genders as well, too. Right? We see this in the sense of violence towards one or the other, right? So sin is that heart issue that doesn't stop at racism. It doesn't just automatically mad because of, 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 your, of your ethnic background. It doesn't mean that you have more of it than Albert and Michael and I. It's not that we all have it equally within us and the gospel attacks it equally within all of us. And so I think that um, for a conversation about racism that is, that, is bound, uh, that is grounded in the gospel, that is rooted in the kingdom, that we worship the same king together, then it's it's not about what your ethnicity is. It's about within all of us is the mm. uh, ability or inability to treat each other with love and care. And that's what God really wants to attack. I wondered, Michael, if you could speak then, you know, jumping off that, uh, how how is this call for justice that we see throughout the Old Testament that we see uh, commissioned through Jesus' life and then uh, compels us through our our trust in the good news of, of Jesus Christ and the gospel. How is this different? How is this call for justice different than what we see in the headlines or what we see on the surface of our society, even thinking to the past in the past year? Uh, justice begins um, uh, internally with how we have, with how we have uh, really internalized the gospel. So before it reaches a society level, uh, which would be great. It really begins with, well, you know, how has the gospel impacted me in, internally? And so I think that there's, um, it's easy to uh, want justice for, uh, you know, uh, almost leaning into vengeance against, well, we, we, and that's where society can, can kind of take it in terms of mm. uh, not just justice, but vengeance, uh, hatred. So it's easy for other things to be uh, uh, sprung out of this call for justice. And I think we can see that, right? Uh, the, uh, biblically, it's different in terms of where we are, uh, have, have been justified and we are recipients of great grace. <laughs> <laughs> we are recipients of great grace. And so that even changes uh, how I uh, how I view um, justice. Uh, do I view it from a vengeance standpoint? Do I view it from a, a, a place of, well, I, I want to see the I, I want to see you, uh, you know, um, the same thing that you did. To, so it's really uh, I, I think whenever we lose sight of grace, Whenever we lose sight of what has won us with what has bought us, then it's easy to look at others and to not uh, even have that in view. Uh, so, yeah, I think that unfortunately in society, uh, there's uh, justice comes with bitterness, comes with revenge, comes with um hatred uh whereas in 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 the kingdom uh, uh we realize that justice um has been done is continuing to be done in terms of as the people of god as as we respond to different things in 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 
in, in love, but also that justice will ultimately be done. Mm. Uh, so we're not the carriers, the ultimate carriers of, um, you know, societal justice. We can, we can impact it, but we are not the ultimate carriers that we know that Jesus will uh, definitely bring that in a full way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Raja. You know, Michael, listen, I love this conversation. Recording or not, I could just listen to you guys. Like, seriously, it's awesome to hear different perspectives. You know, I love the fact, Michael, you go to justice. And what's interesting about the Old Testament, again, not to go back to the Old Testament because I'm not that guy, but the Bible talks about God as as being characterized by his justice. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that has saddened me most about the conversation of justice in our culture is justice for one cannot be injustice for another, right? To right or wrong, you can't be wrong. Because that's not justice, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. God's like, and, 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 and the Old Testament says that, you know, God's justice is a light unto the nations. And I love how when the Old Testament writers were talking about justice, there was always this word that was always kind of circling the orbit of justice, which is mercy, mm-hmm. right? Mercy and justice, mm-hmm. right? Like, like justice can be so authoritative. Mm-hmm. It can be so heavy handed. But the Bible that talks about justice always tempers justice with mercy. Mm-hmm. And I think that, our conversation with justice today is sometimes can be a conversations of injustice towards one. So that justice may be for the other, which again, if it's injustice for one, it cannot be justice for the other. And the other thing, part two is that mercy, right? Mercy has to temper justice. Mercy has to be the core of justice or else it becomes so again, binary, black and white. When again, there's not the nuances of the gospel and of what, again, what, how sin, sin really um, extrapolates from that. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe then speak to love everyone's perspective on this is, you know, Michael pointed out the fact that oftentimes society's headlines are, are venge, vengeful in their approach or retaliation because you've done this, you now owe me this. Um, how is this approach to justice then inadequate? Mm-hmm. Well, well, Jesus talks about this, right? He talks about the law too, with Lex Talianus, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth right all an eye for an eye tooth for tooth is we become blind and toothless <laughs> we become uh, blind and gummy that's all that's all we have right and and that's where mercy comes into it right and that's where the, and again this is where i think the core of the gospel i think c.s lewis said it that uh, he said it this way he goes i forgive the inexcusable in others because god has forgiven the inexcusable in me right and so when we look at philippians 2 where where where, where again paul lays out this beautiful early church hymn right jesus who being in the very nature of god did not consider equality with god as something to be tamed but became a servant obedient unto death right and so but before that is this idea of like you know see others as better than yourselves learn wow. to love like like that other part of it right and so with this idea of injustice and justice like unless you actually forgive the the person who has wronged you mm-hmm. you know and and unless you actually release the person from the prison of hatred then you become that same prisoner in that same prison you know and and that's where i think that we have maybe and i think the church has really has missed this as well too that mm-hmm. you know like like the most profound examples of justice and and, and mercy in history is when the victim forgives the victimizer mm-hmm Right. It's when Jesus says, right, like like turning the other cheek. Right. You know, if, if someone says, you know, uh, I'll go one mile, I'll go two miles. Right. The first mile is victimization. The second mile is victory. 
right? When we are able to do that, that's when we begin to transform the, the power imbalances. That's when you're able to transform the internal struggles that we have because it's only that mercy and justice and grace that, again, if we all acknowledge that we are, there's this, this sinful base within us, right? I love what Paul says in Romans 7, right? You know, woe is me. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to do, right? It's sin living in me, right? Mm-hmm. We are infected and affected by sin. And the cure for that, the vaccine for that is, is the cross, is the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and how that's executed is depending on what we, what we are wrestling with. Albert, can you speak yeah. more to that? And then how Christ followers can then approach this um, with, with, with the lens of the gospel and understanding of justice that is, we believe, more adequate than what, what is being provided to us through headlines and, and media channels? Sure. Yeah, I want to I want to back uh, one step and um, you know if I try to put myself, I'm not black, obviously, um, so I have in some sense no right to to be even trying to do this mind experiment. But um, if I imagine black brothers, especially in the states, uh, whose ancestors uh, were slaves, um, and then whatever generational side effects and and consequences because of that and and so what i'm trying to say is if there is a legitimate hurt um if there has been legitimate victimization uh at some point um i mean as a korean canadian i i have uh at some point just as i learned about korean history and and how japan treated uh korea at some point um you know, I, I think that's the closest thing I could uh, sort of try to relate uh, from that standpoint. So my point being, it, there there are legitimate hurts, um, and people are legitimately hurting. Um, but I think, for me at least personally, where I came to a um, sort of turning point um, was there's not enough that you know, say Japan could do to correct uh, the wrong that I feel as someone who has, even though born in Canada, um, some, you know, Korean pride and so forth. Uh, there's not enough that um, there'll never be enough that, that they could do to correct, like to fully correct that history. Right. And what it comes down to um, for me, and not only on a sort of sort of national race level, but even in my own uh, personal life, um, there's a person that very important to me, um, but through whom I received a lot of hurt. Uh, And the the same thing had to happen in both those situations, whether it was just one-on-one with that person or uh, some sense of offense and grievance against a, a whole you know, race um, from a historical standpoint. Um, and that one thing, the common thing was, okay, I, there's not enough that this person or this nation can do for me. Uh, and I can't put it on them to do that. And, and if I just go down that track of just wanting retribution, um, really, there'll never be an end. Uh, and, and so again, Michael already um, preached it, but it, it it comes back to, all right, I have to let go of this at the cross as well. I, I have to realize 
Uh, and and Raja, I, I love the quote uh, of C.S. Lewis that that uh, you made, um, paraphrasing it. You know that God has ex- uh, forgiven the inexcusable in me first, mm-hmm. and, and you realize that He has forgiven you, uh, and that really at the end of the day, if it just came down to you and God, you also actually deserve. I deserve to be damned to eternal separation from God. Uh, in hell, basically, to be forthright. Um, and I realized just the wonder of his grace. Then that becomes, that has to become the power and resource to also forgive the other. Mm-hmm. Because there's not enough that the, the offender can do. Uh, if you want to go down that justice path and you only want justice, the, there's not enough that they could do. Um, and And so there has to be some sort of trump card, some sort of power to, to just inject, like to, to just, uh, yeah, jump in it and, and, and sort of equalize everything. And, and that's what Christ has done for every individual soul. And, and so every individual, again, we're get, just coming back to where we started. It's all our heart conditions, our personal heart conditions. And we have to realize that Christ has, has shown immense mercy uh, toward us. Um, what I love about the cross and where it becomes a strength to, to want to forgive and to be able to forgive uh, is that the cross satisfies both God's justice and uh, it gives God the ability to show mercy. Um, because yeah, we've already discussed if we only go the path of justice, it, it doesn't work because inevitably it causes injustice towards another person. Um, but if we only go the path of mercy as well, that's not healthy either. Um, yeah, because you can't overlook wrongs. And, and where I started with this little spiel, that there are legitimate hurts, right? Mm-hmm. Some people are legitimately hurting and, and those wounds need to be ministered to. Um, and so if, mm-hmm. if you as the victim just show mercy and just sort of brush over your wounds, that's not good either. That's going to become some kind of ugly cancerous thing in, in your soul as well in a, in a sort of a stealthy uh, way. And um, uh, so you need an ability to, to bring both those together. And that's another just, you know, of the cross. It, that God satisfies his justice. Uh, he, he has sin paid for perfectly um, and miraculously, simultaneously opening up the way for him to show mercy and incredible uh, forgiveness and healing. Um, yeah. And so if, if we can one by one uh, experience that and then, yeah, battle racism, I, I really do believe it. The long game is that it has to be grassroots. Well, and it has to start. Well, yeah. and just sorry, Albert, not to not to intend to to cut you off, but that's where I'd like to go next. Really, is why must fighting racism uh, be a long game approach? Michael, love you to speak to that. I came across a a, a post the other day from a illustrator. It was called "The Cycle of Inaction." 
where the cycle starts with a horrific injustice. So we can think of recent horrific injustices that we've seen highlighted in the news, which leads to many of us as shock and confusion. How could this have happened? Which then leads for many of us to an emotional response uh, for organizations at times for churches, a performative allyship of a, of a social, single social media post to try to say, we, we ultimately stand with you. But then from there, there's guilt and fatigue that can come followed by inaction, passivity, which then can lead to apathy, which is, oh, you know, that was what we're even to do there. Like, and then there's another horrific injustice. And then the cycle begins all over again. So Michael speak to this. Why must fighting racism be a long game? How does the church respond when these things come up? Um, what, what is our approach to be and why ha- must it be a long game? Well, I think that uh, uh, if we're always on a reactionary level, then we have a problem. Mm. I think that the gospel is pro-action. Like it, it actually gave us the ability. Ephesians said, you know, Ephesians 2 just so beautifully in terms of like Christ has broken down the barrier. So the hard work is actually done. Mm. <laughs> Praise God, right? Yeah. And it's just for us now to, to, to step into that. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation, right? And so it's just to really take on that identity that actually yeah. we are um, carriers of reconciliation. Uh, we are, we, we, we have been made peacemakers. Uh, this is not something that we have to kind of work for. It's actually been done as part of our identity as sons and daughters. And I think that, so I think that when the church is on a, on a, I, I really do believe that the church was set up to be the city on a hill when it comes to ethnic and race relations, right? He's like, no, the, the world is going to look to you guys and to say, what's going on here? Because how is this koinonia happening when outside there is absolute uh, division, right? So we've already been given, um, I believe, the the answer in terms of in the in the, in the through the gospel and in our ident- in our ident- inherent in our identity as sons and daughters is 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 the fact that we are reconcilers, hmm. that we that we are peacemakers, that we bring the spirit of Christ <laughs> uh, into into the world, and we carry that. So I think as individuals, almost we have to. We have to be aware of what has been the DNA that has been given to us. Yeah. The spiritual DNA that has been given to us so that we can say, you know what? I don't have to wait till something happens. I can actually, in my life, I can actually be, be a, 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 um, a, 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 a force and a factor uh, for, for positively. Um, be, before I, I, I react, I always have, you don't want to have to live always in a reactionary, reactionary. No, right. that's not, she said, I, I've come so that you might have life. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and so that life really is really portrayed in, 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 in the fact that we um, have been given the keys, um, the kingdom to, to actually be a city on a hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Raja, can you, can you speak more to that of, even you, you are, I know, passionate about the early church and how the early church practiced this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let me go back to my Pentecostal roots here for a second, right? So one of the things I think is so amazing is that in the upper room, there yeah. was this reality that the spirit comes 
and just knits people together. And it spills out on the streets. Now, there were God-fearing Jews from all over the Roman Empire that were in Jerusalem at that time. So we know that the different ethnicities were there. But even in the book of Acts, right? So there's the Ethiopian eunuch that they meet. There's people from Ephesus. There's, it's Mediterranean. It's it's Middle Eastern. It's it's yeah. Asiatic. Like, like they're encountering it. And it's, it's by the power of the spirit. You know, there's something called the Azusa Street Revival, which is many would consider the roots of... Um, of, of, of the Pentecostal movement or the holiness movement within uh, the 20th century. But what's amazing is if you go back and you actually look at the leadership of the Azusa Street Church, right? It's, 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 it's black people and white people. It's men and women. Because when they're, where the spirit is, like, like those yes. barriers seem so less important, right? I love what Michael says there, you know, from, from Corinthians, right? Ministers of reconciliation. See, the church was always supposed to be peacemakers, but you don't make peace, like, again, like Albert said, you don't make peace by ignoring what is ha- the wrong that has happened. Mm-hmm. But you also don't make peace by trying to find out what the, you know, what the actual financial or, or emotional like wreckage is and how do you repair it? Like, I, like if, that, if that is even possible, right? But a peacemaker is somebody who takes that anger, that hatred, that, that disruption and, and, and gives it to the cross. Again, and Albert so eloquently said it. You know, a word that has been coming to my mind a lot more in regards to what has been happening over the last, not just a couple of years, but last few years within, you know, Western culture is the word transcendent. And I love, when I love with the word transcendent is that it is external to the circumstances that we are going through, right? One of the things I'm most frustrated about the church is that the culture is handing us the tools that they think we need to do to solve racism, that we need to use to solve uh, injustice. And I just want to say to the culture, just so you know, you're late to the game. We've been doing this for a couple of thousand years, if not even longer than that, right? You, you know, like, like you cannot create a law to get rid of racism. You cannot create a course to get rid of racism. You cannot create a culture to get rid of racism because the human heart remains untouched. This is the realm of the gospel. This wow. is the realm of the Holy Spirit. This is what we have yeah, to yeah, offer. Yeah. And, and, and part I wish that, you know, as, 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 as again, Matt, you so beautifully said that there is injustices that just rises up emotion and when emotion is is risen like anger and hatred and 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 all the things that come into it but transcendence we are above that we we look to the kingdom we look to jesus and we say lord first heal in me before i speak healing to somebody else first correct in me before i speak to somebody else because if we don't do that then we are just wounded healers we are just wounded people walking around wounding other people and unless we take this to the cross, whatever it is, we take it to the cross, we nail it there and we give it to Jesus because on this earth, we will never see true justice yeah. because in human, in human connections and human relationships, there's always, there's, there's always going to be this mismatch, right? It's like that old the analogy of, you know, the, that, that kid's game that you have or a circle and square, and you're trying to put a square peg in a circle hole, right? Like this is what we try to think of as, as, as trying to find justice, right? It's only in, in, in God's presence. It's only in, in, in the kingdom that we will truly experience justice. And that's where we have this trust and hope and faith. God's saying, Lord, I feel it. You know, I feel the wrongness. I feel the, the brokenness, but Lord, I don't know what mm-hmm. to do with it because I myself mm-hmm. am a part of it. I am. And, and that's the other part too. We can never be so self-righteous that we aren't we don't see ourselves as, as participants within injustice as well, too. We go, no, no, I'm, I'm part of the problem. So, Lord, heal in me before I try to speak healing to others. So the transcendent piece, I think, is, is, is my kind of battle cry to the church today and say, 
I don't need the culture to hand me the tools because their tools are inadequate and they still don't touch the human heart. You know, instead, uh, something that goes beyond the external. This is why I love with Jesus, right? Like he always went past the exterior of what religion may offer. And, and, you know, the religion of today is, is government. The religion of today is, is, you know, any cultural movements, right? Jesus speaks past that. Forget the government, forget these movements, get to the hardness in your heart, break that down. And then you'll begin to be transformed. Well, brothers, I could talk to, uh, I'm sure we could all be part of this conversation uh, for the rest of today and, and still be walking away with, with good stuff. Um, just as we close here, I just want to thank each of you for uh, your willingness uh, to be part of this conversation. I think it's important. Uh, who knows? Maybe this will begin more micro conversations between each of us and maybe once and maybe another time we can come back to this um, to close. Michael, would you, would you pray for us? Uh, would you pray that, that God would, uh, use any efforts we brought to this conversation, multiply it for, for his glory and for our good. Can I just say one thing first? Yeah, please do. Matt, thanks for having this conversation. Matt, thank you for being a person, a, a white person who wants to wade into this. Hmm. But just like, again, and in, in, on this screen here, four brothers in Jesus, mm-hmm. right? So thank you, Matt, for hosting this and inviting us and, and being the MC for this. I want to thank you for that because that it takes a great deal of bravery and humility and, and all that. So thanks so much, Matt, for this. Hmm. Yeah. All right. I echo that. Yeah. So go ahead, Michael. Our Father, our Father, uh, we are so uh, grateful for the grace that you've given to us through your Son Jesus uh, for the cross that has leveled and Mm. evened the the playing field. And for the resurrection that has given us new life uh, by which we are born into the kingdom that is eternal. And so we say thank you for this conversation. We say thank you, God, for how you are using all of us uh, to be ministers of reconciliation Mm -hmm. in this time. And we say thank you for our our congregations, for our fellowships, for those who are listening and for those who are are engaged and engaging in these conversations. Mm -hmm. And we say thank you for what your spirit will do Mm -hmm. um, on an individual basis, uh, on a a corporate basis. We say thank you for what your spirit will do through your church in this season. We say thank you that as so much around us um, uh, is, is, is being tossed and driven and, and seemingly just, just uh, divisive, we say thank you uh, that your church will stand, your bride will stand, yeah. and that your church will, will be uh, uh, united and unifying under the banner of Jesus Christ because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us uh, for the remission of all sin. And so we say, thank you, God. And we uh, just uh, trust your spirit to do uh, what your spirit does as we yield every part of ourselves, mm-hmm. our, uh, our, 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 all our isms, all our schisms, as we yield it to you and we uh, just come alive, fully alive in the resurrection life, that you've given to us through 
through your son. So we're grateful and we say thank you for your blessing in Jesus' name.